Welcome to Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. We're talking with Gerald Chittick, U.S. Middle Market Head of Real Estate, Retail, and Hospitality for Zurich North America. Businesses have had more than their share of disruptions in the past two years, especially real estate, retail, and hospitality. And it's not just COVID-19 doing all the disrupting, severe weather, civil unrest, and labor shortages, among other things, have played a role. Gerald, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Gerald, tell us a little about your role here at Zurich. Sure, David. My role here within the Zurich organization is to assist with setting strategy for each of the industries that you outlined, real estate, retail, the hospitality industries, and the ways in which you know we at Zurich build value propositions to support those industries with our insurance coverage solutions, risk management, claims management. And so um, all of which we deliver through our uh, independent agents and broker partners to the businesses within each of those verticals that we outlined. So Gerald, you've been working with customers in these three critical fields, real estate, retail, hospitality. How are they managing during this time of extreme disruption? It's been challenging, obviously, not only just for all of us these last few years uh, trying to navigate this pandemic, um, but it's been equally challenging on multiple fronts for each of those industries because the issues associated with the items you highlighted, whether it be you know, COVID, severe weather, you know, civil unrest tied to you know, injustice you know, activities that have taken place, the labor shortages as a result of, or um, possibly maybe even prior to, um, have impacted each of those industries differently. If you think about, you know, kind of where we were in 2019 and what life looked like and how we operated then versus where we are today and might be going in the future, it's uh, night and day different. And so, you know, many really honestly have, have had to do one of, uh, if not all of, you know, what I'll call three things. Um, the first is, you know, where they could, you know, pivot within their business model to whether it was some other innovation or use of their space and resources uh, to help support their operations. Others have had to be creative in the ways in which they either source talent or engage their customers to uh, continue to keep those relationships in place or operations afloat. Um, and all have had to leverage and utilize you know, any of the resources and tools made available, whether it was financial or otherwise, through grants, loans, uh, you name it, in many instances, uh, just to uh, you know survive, if not the early stages of uh, of these disruptions, but then also subsequently where we uh, might even find themselves today. So, um, you know, a lot of the uh, customers that were already well positioned to do that have done well, uh, but then there are those uh, in some of those verticals that you know have been faced with a lot of challenges and subsequently suffered significantly, if not in some instances, uh, have seen their businesses. Uh, you know, altered, you know, irreparably as a result. The shopping malls, right, as an example, some uh, have lost tenants, uh, tenants that won't return. Um, and then as a result are finding that the footprint, their space uh, has to be, you know, repurposed for other purposes or use 
or as a result, in some instances, some of those malls, you know, may then be, you know, subsequently torn down. Um, and then, you know, the space itself reused for other things such as the explosion of warehousing activity that's happening around the country. Um, so that would be an example, even in the course of these last two years where you may have had, you know, thriving malls with anchor stores. If the anchor stores didn't, you know, stay, um, that uh, footprint, that parking lot gives um, rise to um, a better use of, uh, of geography for warehousing activity. Yeah, it's been a crazy couple uh, years for sure. I can remember where we were two years ago when we were all forced, literally forced to stay home. Except for essential yeah. workers. So, you know, uh, a lot of the disruptions I mentioned at the outset are are clearly interrelated. Uh, and I didn't even mention, for instance, supply chain issues and now inflation, which is what we're dealing with today. Can you give us uh, an idea about how each of these problems have impacted the industries that you support, um, including, yeah. of course, COVID-19? You know? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if we were to pause and think about if if we can remember, I mean, it's fascinating to think about, you know, life like, you know, prior to and, you know, life today, right? So 2019, which, you know, shouldn't feel that long ago, but the ways in which any and all of us operated in each of these business um, models that we're speaking to operated totally different than where they are today. And, and the things that they've had to, um, you know, kind of develop, if not adjust to, in order to uh, remain in operation especially as we start to climb out of, um, we hope, the depths and the throes of this pandemic um, have been significant. But the pandemic itself then gave rise, given you know, how long it you know, was uh, in play, to other issues such as inflation and supply chain challenges, as you just mentioned, David. Um, and when you compound that with the fact that every year um, you know, we're confronted with you know, some, whether it be severe weather, or climate change related type event or activity, the magnitude of those events over the course of the last um, year, two years, and the cost associated with them, which continue to increase, if not influenced you know, by inflation uh, as well, um, and inflationary pressure, just continues to add to the challenges that um, many of these business owners and these industries face. Um, you know, the real estate industry, as we already mentioned, um, commercially, uh, saw some challenges with regard to how the office environment, you know, was going to be leveraged and utilized. And, you know, many of us, even those of us speaking right now, you know, we pivoted to a remote work uh, environment. You know, the future of that looks to be more of, as we climb out, a hybrid experience for commercial office workers. And possibly maybe as we extend that out, you know, maybe there will be uh, a full return at some point, but you know, in the near term, I don't think anybody's envisioning you know something to that extent in how we you know maximize and then utilize all the available office space uh, around the country. As a result, you know, with real estate kind of being your tipping point on the flip side of that coin, there was a tremendous growth in development of habitational related real estate, whether it be housing, new apartments, apartment conversion, condominium exposure across the country. And so, you know, where one side of the, the scale in that industry saw some challenges, another side uh, definitely may have received some benefits. But then with that benefit, and as 
things always work with supply and demand and you know kind of economically speaking uh, the cost associated with that has also increased significantly not only to build and create but then also to buy and acquire you know, so there's where the inflationary activity uh, has reared its hand in that space on the retail side um you know many retailers uh, again you know courtesy of the shutdown had to close their doors um, and those that at least had e-commerce or the ability to leverage and utilize e-commerce models, um, you know, at least could sustain or pivot to some extent. But those that didn't have that platform and that capability and may or may not have necessarily been deemed or found themselves as an essential uh, business or operator, they may have suffered significantly um, and many, many sadly shuttered their doors. Some continue to face, as you already mentioned, another one of the issues and challenges, some continue to face labor shortages and just trying to keep their doors open. Um, you know, when you think about at the height uh, of not only, you know, the current situation that we're in, but recently reported, I believe it was last quarter, that there were 11 million jobs available and open, which was the highest number, you know, ever in the United States, um, uh, is, is amazing. Uh, because it's 11 million opportunities for people to, uh, in different industries to, you know, kind of fulfill and help us to address uh, this shortage. And so the, the result, as we speak, outside of the, uh, the number of opportunities that are available, is a significant talent war and talent challenge that's going on um, out there. And then, you know, lastly, in hospitality, you know, that same trend uh, associated with, you know, the labor shortages affected hotels. And it, it's definitely affected restaurants. You know, some of the lifestyle businesses, you know, such as um, whether it be the golf and country club industry or uh, even the casinos to some extent, especially once they were able to reopen their doors, uh, they saw a bounce back primarily because, you know, people were looking for an opportunity to engage and get back out and do something, some sense of normalcy. Uh, and golf uh, as an industry, just as an example, you know, you know, experienced some of its greatest growth uh, during the pandemic. Um, because it was one of the one activities that you could actually engage in outdoors, whether it was with or without a mask. So, you know, you just have to think about, you know, what the effects of, you know, some of this has been. And um, some truly have been able to find uh, a way to, to kind of pivot their business models and, uh, and benefit or at least, you know, sustain themselves. Others saw significant growth and opportunity. Uh, now they're going to have to, you know, try to manage, maintain and continue on that trajectory as we emerge out of this and uh, some others are going to have to reimagine you know how they leverage and utilize uh, their businesses and their footprints going forward yeah I mean it's absolutely <laughs> unprecedented times all these uh, challenges and disruptions we're talking about and they all seem to be happening at once mm -hmm. you know? like you know it's it's fascinating um, well to your point I mean yeah and it's part of the topic right so uh, within the context and the course of business planning, and not only just business planning, but strategy, you know, taking into account, you know, what some of not only these disruptors might be, but the multivariate effect of how they could affect your business, and whether they happen, you know, singularly or simultaneously. I don't know that all business owners really have considered that as part of their overall, you know, whether it's annual business plan or strategy. Um, and hopefully, you know, we've learned from this experience that that's a really important, you know, aspect of, you know, how to not only manage, you know, your enterprise, but then, you know, also the influences it can have, you know, without being prepared for that uh, on how it impacts, you know, even your insurance program.
Well, well Gerald, uh, you mentioned pivoting uh, before. I want to pivot over to weather now. Uh, you know, we've uh, we continue to experience uh, weather extremes in the U.S. Uh, we've had record-breaking wildfires in the West, massive hurricanes, uh, widespread tornado activity, and then the deep freeze in Texas that caused all sorts of problems for businesses and residents. How can severe weather impact the real estate, the retail, and the hospitality industries? Well, they have a significant impact. The two, you know, dominant lines of business, especially when you think of property and casualty in the commercial arena, you know, the property exposures of all of those industries are at risk. If any of those events um, occur with any significance, you know, proximity to wildfire, if not right in the zone, uh, you know, puts, you know, many businesses in each of those categories uh, at significant risk of loss, if not total loss, you know, especially if a wildfire can't be contained. You know, the unexpected pop-up of a tornado or tornadic activity in a particular region, you know, even, you know, what we've seen in the past year, you know, when you think of, you know, the tragedy associated with the tornadoes that took place in uh, December, um, you know, what many have said and what's continued to prove to be true is the predictability of when you could even expect these things to happen um, as they have historically seems to have shifted. Um, and then not only the shift associated with the when, but then the magnitude and where, um, you know, just devastating. Um, and and so, um, so those, you know, those types of activities and while we've always had a hurricane season, uh, that you know starts in June and ends sometime in and around the November, you know December time frame. Uh, you know the number of hurricanes or the uh, the wind and wind driven water that comes associated with that and the extent to which they uh, you know continue to creep up the coastline um, and have significant effects and impacts as well as nor'easters and things of that magnitude that happen that have hurricane or gale force winds um, that, you know, almost start to exceed or look like, you know, category one or two storms uh, is of significance. And so all of these businesses suffer from their property exposures primarily, uh, which then, you know, is directly correlated to the property insurance programs that they would have. Um, and then from a casualty standpoint, um, you know, there's the potential especially with, you know, God forbid, any impact to whether it's their employee population, loss of life, um, you know, how they protect or insulate, you know, some of those exposures uh, tied to that, that also need to be taken into consideration. So, yeah, severe weather is a significant issue. And then, you know, the result of recovery after severe weather, once again, just, you know, tying it back to two of the other topics that you brought up with regard to disruption, you know, the length of time it could take, you know, to rebuild. Sure. Um, uh, you know, has an impact from a business interruption standpoint, uh, which is yet another cover underneath, you know, a property form that we uh, and, and the industry might provide, you know, um, you know coverage for. Yes. But when you are in the midst of, you know, one of the greatest supply chain crises uh, that we've seen in, you know, recent times, and you compound that with the inflationary costs associated with acquiring product or even getting it from point A to point you know, Z, um, those then have an effect on you know, how much of your coverage you know, is attributed to just getting you back up to, up to speed.
Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I was just about to ask of uh, or make a comment about supply chain and inflation, but you, uh, I, I read your mind, I guess. So, <laughs> so, so we've uh, we've been spending a lot of time looking backward, but let's look forward. Uh, well, you've often spoken about the need for businesses to be prepared for the next disruption. Why is this important? Well, because of the the effects of any of these events that we've experienced, um, and the likelihood that they could occur again. And whether or not they occur at, you know, uh, as we already indicated, the same magnitude with the same force at the same cost um, mm -hmm. uh, is something that, you know, I, I believe that, you know, every business owner, uh, every one of these enterprises within these industries, you know, needs to really truly take stock of and then to the best of their ability prepare for whether they prepare for it, you know, through business continuity planning, um, you know, the the leveraging and utilizing of you know, some tool or some capability that helps them to also scenario plan so that if there are contingencies or uh, capabilities within their business model that they could shift and pivot to that would help them to sustain their operations, even in the face of a loss, but the likelihood of that being catastrophic, truly catastrophic to their overall business model might be mitigated. And so um, preparing for these types of future events. And then as a result of that preparation and that analysis, evaluating whether or not they've got all the right insurance, you know, coverages and programming necessary services to support them might be a differentiator for them even within their own space. And so that's why I believe uh, that it's a really important, you know, risk management activity, um, you know, that if they have a risk manager, you know, many may already be practicing, but if they're not, uh, if they don't have that risk manager, um, then, you know, they should definitely engage, uh, you know, their independent insurance agent or broker uh, in that discussion as just part of their overall risk management and, um, you know, business planning and management activities. So yeah, so a lot of us uh, say mid-market companies may have the limited may have limited resources. So scenario planning is going to be more of a challenge for them. So you're you're suggesting that they talk with their brokers and 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 their carriers, and they might get some help there. Yeah, I mean it's it's been proven that um, especially in the commercial lines arena, um, that in many instances middle market customers you know view that relationship with their current insurance carrier and uh, that agent or broker as their risk management partner in that context. And so if if that has not taken place, if this you know type of activity around uh, business continuity has not been part of the um, the discussion, uh, then I think it's a great opportunity to have that conversation. Um, engage in and leverage you know, some well-established tools that are out there to assist with that, and then make that process part of a annual or biannual, every couple of years, you know, kind of a strategy discussion, um, especially when evaluating, you know, you know, the effectiveness of the insurance program that's been developed and devised to support the overall um, business operations of that particular insured. Business continuity should be um, well, first of all, they should be doing it. These businesses should be doing it, especially the larger middle market ones. I mean, I was with somebody yesterday who literally, uh, it, I pointed it out to him just, you know, almost like a little bit of a prelude to what this was going to be. 
And his feedback was, yeah, I honestly would tell you that many of my clients don't even ask about that topic. And part of me gets it, right? Because look, I mean, take the last two years aside, you know, even when things are good, you're just focused on running your business. Like you're just trying to get through the day, right? And, um, and so I told him, uh, I said, well, that my friend is where you come in. You're the agent, you're that producer, you're the broker. If, if you don't want your customer thinking about those things independently and on their own, you know, be their advocate and help them with that and go in with the solution. And so he was like, yeah, that could be a great differentiator. I'm like, yep, hundred percent. So please go do it. Interesting. So you, so we've established that, you know, these disruptions are clearly risks that need to be managed and, uh, but they can also present opportunities for business leaders. We've, we've seen it already. So, uh, Business leaders who can pivot and rethink their business models are most likely to have success in these changing times. Can you share some examples of businesses that have successfully navigated uh, these major disruptions? Uh, yeah, I, I can. And actually, it's funny. One that immediately comes to mind, especially when you think about, um, you know, where we uh, have all been these last couple of years. Um, uh, is in the grocery industry. Um, mm -hmm. Again, you know, our 2019 experience in grocery was already starting to, you know, kind of give signals towards more a self-serve, um, you know, kind of a environment to some extent. You already had to go into the store predominantly to buy or acquire or purchase, you know, the goods themselves. But then when you got into the checkout line at specific stores, you know, there was more self-checkout versus maybe, um, you know, somebody at the cashier or at the register, you know, there to assist. And, um, you know, grocery, just like healthcare, um, you know, was one of those industries that was not only deemed essential, but necessary for us to be able to continue to operate within, you know, the, especially the early stages of this pandemic when there were no vaccines and everybody, would, you know, had to be masked and, you know, those employees, you know, you know, and those, you know, essential workers, because that's exactly who they were, were still out there on the front lines, um, you know, trying to make sure that they could keep the doors open uh, for, you know, for all of us. Um, and to help to try to mitigate the risk, one of the things that, you know, became clear was that outside of the delivery models of, you know, whether it was the Instacarts and DoorDashes of the world, many were um, not going to come into the store um, to conduct their, their shopping experience. Uh, so when you think about how quickly curbside pickup uh, within grocery uh, became, uh, you know, not just a way to assist those that didn't feel comfortable going into the store, but essentially a way for those, you know, the grocery uh, store providers to continue to um, make sure that their customers were able to get their, their products and services was ingenious. And yeah. when you think about it, what that essentially did is you place your order online or however they might be able to receive it. You drive up in your vehicle, you just open you know, the latch to your trunk, they put it in the trunk, you take it home, and um, you've never had to get out of your vehicle. You know, if you didn't choose to wear a mask, you didn't have to wear the mask. I mean, you know, there's just, you know, so many different ways in which that, when you think about that model, um, you know, it, it, it's designed 
uh, in that business. And other businesses have now tapped into that as well. Restaurants did the same. Um, uh, now retail stores are doing the same. Um, you know, just another way to, you know, try to continue to help perpetuate the nature of their business. And so I, I think that's a great example of yeah. when faced with a challenge, when faced with a risk that, um, you know, was could it add to increased risk? Here's a modification or um, a, a new way of, of imagining how to execute the business um, yeah. that uh, assisted in helping to keep them afloat. Yeah, and I actually I see the ever expanding self checkout lanes as a way to help address labor shortages. Yep. I mean, it, you can't you can't uh, get someone to work the uh, the the cash register, then let the customers do it for themselves. And I I frankly prefer the self checkout. I think I I zip through it, although I can never never find out the code for the kumquats or something or the <laughs> the, the, the produce that I that I'm buying. So. Well, and then that therein is where they they have those things up there. They've got images, so you can look up yeah. on the image, or, or if right. you know the number, you can type in the number. So there you go. That's right. Okay, one final question for you, Gerald. Zombie apocalypse. What should businesses be doing to prepare for this? Wow, the zombie apocalypse. I I, I guess that's a risk that I hadn't prepared myself for, to be honest with you. So I got to get my own business continuity plan going on that one. Um, you know, all jokes aside, if that's a real and I guess, you know, could be threat to if not just society, the business environment, the same uh, ways in which we've talked about each of these other um, issues and disruptions that have come up, uh, they should consider employing uh, that as a topic in that process. So yeah. uh, not sure what that looks like. Don't know if there's a movie you want me to go watch, David, it, that's going to give would, me some insight. But there's um, plenty of there's plenty of movies. Uh, it would be a fun uh, scenario exercise. I think that would be, you know, it, it would be ridiculous, obviously, uh, <laughs> but it would be interesting. It would force people to actually think, what if this were real? What would we do? How would we address this? You know, I feel like we almost went through it uh, two years ago when when we were all told to stay home and they literally, I live in New Jersey, they literally shut down the parks. I mm. couldn't go, I couldn't take my dog to a park for like six weeks or two months or something. And like, that felt like the zombie apocalypse. You know, you couldn't do anything. Right, right. Well, uh, hopefully you and your dog are able to leverage and utilize the parks today, and hopefully yeah. soon that'll be even without a mask, right? So, um, yeah. but, but you know, your example, um, as, as funny as that is, it is pretty funny. Um, if again, as I said, there are so many emerging issues out there. Some, you know, very real. Um, you know, like like PFAS as an example, mm -hmm. that maybe some organizations aren't thinking are you know could have an impact on their business. You yeah. know, it's the direct impact and then there's the indirect impact, you know, of how some of these things might occur. So I don't know, the zombie apocalypse sounds like the kind of thing that could have a direct impact on one business. But, you know, maybe it's a boom for some other in that context. So we'll have to see. Yeah, there's opportunities there. That's right. <laughs> someone someone will make money off of that. So. <laughs> and you mentioned PFAS. I want to let our listeners know we have an upcoming episode about the risks these chemicals pose. But for now, Gerald, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. And just a quick final thought, and that is if business continuity, whether it be planning and 
contingency and scenario planning within any industry. If those have not been employed, I would just ask, you know, any and all that might hear this to give that serious consideration and have those conversations in your leadership meetings, if not also with your um, insurance uh, agent, broker, and insurance carrier. It's an important aspect of risk management. Well, thanks again. Uh, and I am David Hilgen, and this has been Future of Risk.